Hi, and welcome to the Overflow Podcast. I'm Chuck Ammons, teaching pastor at Overflow Church in Brandon, Florida, and we are here to help you receive the Father's love and to release it to everyone you encounter everywhere. Wherever you're listening from today, your God adores you. I pray this message elevates and ignites your faith. On this podcast, you will find biblical messages to activate your faith, as well as our You Asked For It series, where we address your questions about trusting God's goodness as Father and living out His fullness as beloved sons and daughters. To find out more about Overflow Church, visit us at myoverflowchurch.com or on Facebook at Overflow Church Brandon. We'd also love to encourage you to check out our book, Life in the Overflow, and its accompanying devotional at Amazon.com. Happy 2023. It is so good to be together. As you heard, we're kicking off this new series that's all about us walking in wholeness together, everything that God has for us. And as a start of that, we're actually also kicking off year five of Overflow Church. We've just turned four, and we're going into our fifth year. And so I felt there was nothing better for us to talk about because we have so much expectancy of God bringing Overflow Church to a sense of fullness. And so over these next weeks, I wanted an opportunity for you to meet every pastor of our church and hear a little bit more about what they bring to the body. And I didn't know a better way to start than our own Pastor Cindy, our prayer pastor here with me this morning. And so I've got to tell you, so, so Pastor Cindy, as you call her, I call her Mama Cindy. Um, we got Mama Cindy and Papa Ken and they have held such a dear place in our family's life. In fact, they've known us since before we were a family. Um, they first met us when my wife Jill and I were engaged. We came here now 20, uh, 22 years ago, came as interns and met them then. And my wife and I got married and we moved away. And we were coming back when I had just received a teaching pastor position uh, here at the church at South Brandon Worship Center, which then four years ago became Overflow Church. And we didn't have, our house wasn't finished. It wasn't completed. And so we were so excited to be married for a year in a new position and completely homeless. So Mama Cindy and Papa Ken, where they first got their name, they said, come and stay with us for as long as it takes for your house to be ready. And they welcomed us in. And we just uh, created this familial bond where we've walked together for a very long time. So Mama Cindy, AKA Pastor Cindy, can you share how long you've been prayer pastor of our church, mm -hmm. and then and then we're going to talk about what you actually do as prayer pastor here. Okay. Well, I have been a prayer pastor since 2015, so I'm in my eighth year. But prior to that, probably maybe 20 years I've been leading prayer. Wow. And uh, in various forms of intercession and small groups and prayer groups and bi ladies' Bible study and all sorts of things. So that's what I do, where I've been. And um, I just wanted to share for a moment, Pastor Chuck, how this all came about. You see, I was substituting for the church secretary, lo, these many years ago, maybe 20, I don't know, 5, 24 years ago, and there wasn't a lot for me to do. So Pastor Lynn gave me a book called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire by Jim Cimbala, and it was a story of how prayer changed a 40-some, con a congregation of 40 people 
and the deacon stealing from the offering plate into the Brooklyn Tabernacle. And it was done through prayer. And I heard the voice of the Lord say to me, you can pray. And I went, yeah, I can pray. And I had no idea that many years ago that I would be sitting here today telling you this story. But God is good, and prayer changes your life. It changes. It changes the city. It changes the church, and it changes me, and it can change you too. Yeah. So tell us, as prayer pastor, what is your role here at the church? At the church here currently, um, I lead a prayer before the worship service at 930. You're all invited. It's awesome. Come on in and experience. So now ignorance is not an option. No, and everybody now knows. (laughs) So it is a wonderful time. So I encourage you to come in. I also um, encourage prayer for missional communities as a resource. Um, I champion the altar ministry. I organize them and, and encourage them as well. And let's see, what else do I do? Oh, and whenever I have the awesome opportunity, I love to walk along with someone who's going through restoration. That really blesses my heart. So um, we pray at staff meetings. I'm all the time looking for new places for us to pray and new ways to do it. So we have lots of resources for prayer, and I'm one of them. So if you're looking to change, to is your prayer life kind of stale, you know, well, then come and talk to me. Because what I learned most about prayer is that it isn't stale, it isn't boring, it isn't mundane. It is experiencing the presence of God right now with you individually and exciting when we do it corporately. So prayer is, you know, I would have never thought it prayer. Y'all been to boring prayer meetings? (laughs) Come on now. Prayer meetings where you need Jesus to raise the dead. Yes, exactly. So we don't need any more boring prayer meetings, but we do need an exciting prayer life. Yes. And I want you to understand, so when you come in here at 10 a.m. on Sunday, the atmosphere has been prayed over. And listen, when we agree with heaven, things happen on earth. That's why Jesus said, pray that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when two or three come together and agree in Jesus' name, things start to shift. And so you heard Pastor Cindy say that at 9.30 every Sunday morning, she's brought together a team of powerful intercessors that are here praying. Also, every time we get to the end of a Sunday morning service where I ask you to stand and I say, if God is working on your heart, there are some ministers up here waiting. Pastor Cindy is the one who leads that team. As you walk through together as a missional community, learning how to connect with God and learning how to connect with God together, Pastor Cindy would be one of the prophetic voices that's really leading the charge there. And actually, this that we're starting this morning, the reason I wanted to start with Pastor Cindy is this, our holiness series. And we're going to talk today about how we're kicking right now into a church-wide fast. Pastor Cindy was the one that first heard this and really championed it for our body. And so when we talk about what it looks like for you to connect with God that way, It's Pastor Cindy, our prayer pastor, that has been leading the way there. And And the the goal of our fasting this year, and we're kicking it off today, is expectancy. It's written on the wall, (laughs) y'all. It's not hard to remember. It's written on the wall right back there in that corner. And expectancy is trusting God above our feelings and our circumstances. It's holding on to hope because hope is the anchor of our soul. Not hope that it might rain. Hope that Jesus Christ is coming again. Hope that he is who he says he is, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It is getting into his heart, 
Fasting is not about changing God's mind about you. It's not about changing God's mind about your circumstance. Fasting is changing your heart and your mind about God and what he wants to do in your life. And he wants what we want to do it corporately is for Overflow Church because I believe expectancy is what he's called us to this year, trusting him in everything, and we're going to see things change in our community. I'm so excited about our missional community and what we're doing out there. We've spent a lot of time inside, but now we're outside. And this community is going to notice and change and be drawn and come and find out that God is really who he says he is, that he is good. So that's the purpose. So I encourage you. Um, one of the easiest ways to, to follow a fasting, to spend time in prayer, is to use a devotional that I never believed I would see my name in print. But Pastor Chuck wrote a devotional called Life in the Overflow Devotional. It's 50 days. And on the bottom in small print is my name and Pastor Chris's name. And I love that because I had a small part. So there's ways to hear God and to pray. And just do that, if nothing else. Start there. It's beautiful. My passion is that each one of you would hear God for yourself. Because he's speaking. He speaks in all sorts of ways. He speaks from one another. He speaks through the, through the, through the worship. He speaks through, this, through the preaching. He speaks through the community. He speaks, in, he speaks through all kinds of people. Whether they're saved or not is not the question. God is always speaking. And he wants to speak to you. Come on. So... That's a purpose of fasting, too, so that you can hear him, whether it's in the still, small voice or in the, in the outside world. You will hear God speaking. And he loves you. He's so good. He's for you. So Overflow Church, you just heard your prayer pastor saying that her prayer and desire for us in 2023 is that we would hear the voice of our Father with more confidence. Now, here's the deal. Anybody that walks by you and says that, that's a great sentiment. When your prayer pastor says it and you come into agreement with it, something different happens. So I'm going to ask, would you agree with our prayer pastor that God wants you to hear his voice more confidently this year? If you do, lay a hand on your heart right now. Say, God, I want to hear your voice more confidently this year than ever before. I received the grace for it. And now I want you to take that hand and extend it to Pastor Cindy because I believe blessing is the language of heaven. And so, Father, right now, we bless our prayer pastor. We bless Mama Cindy. Lord, I thank you for the way that she champions your voice on earth. I thank you for the way that when she gets a word and she looks and there's a, there's a piercing that comes through her eyes that you know that the Lord has spoken. I thank you for a word that came to me years ago when, when Cindy came to me 18 years ago after I preached a message and she looked at me and said, God has something bigger than this house. You're supposed to be heard and I see crowds of people and that was what gave me the boldness to finally step out and say, I'm going to write and I'm going to change. So Lord, I thank you for how she speaks and what she hears. So I ask that you would elevate what she has prayed as a blessing for the church. Give her an abundance. Because, Lord, she's going to give it right back out in abundance. I pray that you bless her and bless Ken. And I pray these would be the most fruitful years of their life and ministry they've ever known. If you agree with that, say amen. amen. Can we thank the Lord for our prayer pastor this morning? All right. Well, now we can start, church. Now we can start. First Peter. 2.9, it says this, it says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, 
a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. I want you to look at these phrases. Chosen people, royal priesthood, holy nation. I want to unpack these for just a minute because it's what God says is a present reality for you and I. The first thing it talks about is us being chosen. The word chosen literally means picked out by hand. Now, when I think about that, I go all the way back to the middle school playground at P.E. time when it was time for the kickball game. I got to ask, is there anybody else in the room that was always picked last for the kickball game? <laughs> There's a few. We'll start a support group after church, y'all. Listen, I didn't hit a growth spurt until 10th grade. So I was the guy that they'd be picking all the people. They got the kid on crutches before me, right? They're like, the crutch could get a hit. I was either going to be the mascot or the ball, right? I was the last one to be picked. But let me flip the question, because you know what it feels like when you're picked last, right? When you're standing there. But have you ever been picked out of a crowd for something? Have you ever been picked and you were the one they chose? Come on, ladies, when a, when a, when a man dropped down on his knee and said, out of 7.5 billion people, I guess we can limit down some of those, but out of all these people on the planet, I choose you. What does it feel like to be chosen? God starts and he says, this is what I want you to know right now. I choose you. I choose you. I don't just love you. I like you. And what I love about our God is he only plays favorites. His grace knows no scarcity. So he looks to 7.5 billion people and to all of us, he says, I choose you. If you just come, I choose you. You're chosen. He goes on and says that we are a royal priesthood. Now listen, that wouldn't mean a whole lot to us, but in Israel's day, they would have gotten it because a priest is a representative between God and man for all the people on earth that feel God is unapproachable. Let me say that again so you get it. A priest is a representative on earth between God and man. Not because God needs a representative, but because in his grace there are a lot of people who feel he's far off and unapproachable. And he said that he put something in you, royal priesthood, in me. That the experience of God's love that they're going to see for many is going to be through your eyes. Man, what a privilege. What a gift that we get to show people God loves you and he likes you. And then he goes into this last thing. He says, you're a holy nation. Now, actually, in 1 Peter, nation is a really bad translation in this verse. It does not say nation. In fact, I think us trying to be a holy nation gets us into all kinds of problems called nationalism. We show up and we say, we just need to make America God's country again. One country under God. I want to say I'm proud to be an American, but, but it's not about being an American nation. He didn't come to set an America, or a godly nation. He came for every tribe, tongue, and nation. So when God shows up, this actually says that you'd be a holy ethnos. And here's where I get excited. The word ethnos is where we get our word ethnicity. It means the diverse tribe, the global multifaceted body of Christ of every color and age and gifting. And listen, sometimes when I hear America, Americans come, God, guns, and glory, the problem is we think that we're the favorite and we're going to be here to save the rest of the world, and that's paternalistic and insulting. The truth is, 
He didn't lift up America to be the savior of the world because Jesus already is, and he's far better. And any privilege that we have, what he called for us to be as a representative on earth to invite the ethnos to come. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation. And listen, this gets me down to the word I actually want to share this morning because it says, what kind of ethnos are we called to be? Holy. It's about holiness. The word holy, it means to be pure and consecrated. It means to be separated from what would defile. And it means to be set apart by God for a special work in the world. I want to say it again. I want us to get it. When God talks about us being holy, he said the first thing, when I call you to be holy, I call you to be pure, unmixed. There are things right now, listen, that are trying to cling to you that have no part of you anymore. And he says, I want to remove that from you because you're going to live like who you believe you are. I've called you to be pure, but in that place, I've also called for you to be separated from everything that would defile you. Anybody want to be separated from what would defile you this morning? Anybody? Three people want to be separated from what would defile you. Anybody want to be separated this morning from everything that would defile? I got to tell you, sometimes I get fired up and people come up to me afterwards. They're like, Pastor Chuck, I'm agreeing with you, but you talk so fast. It takes me like 15 seconds to even catch up. You're three thoughts later, and I'm like, amen. So when I get fired up, just know I'm, I'm not against you. I am for you, and I am with you. That we get set apart for God's work. The picture that I see of holiness would be the picture of a refiner's fire. If you watch a jeweler with, with jewelry, what he'll do is put it in the fire. And what happens is, is that fire heats up on that pure gold. All of the dross, everything that doesn't belong to it anymore, is continually burned away. Listen, what is God's call to holiness? It's him saying, I have put you in the refiner's fire, and I will never give up. And everything that is not worthy of your inheritance, everything that is not worthy of intimacy, everything that's not worthy of your identity anymore that's freely given in Jesus, I'm going to remove it. Come on, that's good. That's good, but sometimes what ends up happening is we get trials and we get mad at God for answering our prayers. God, all I want is you. Take away anything. And then all of a sudden things get hard and we're like, God, where have you gone? He's like, I'm answering your prayer, psycho. Like, come on. He's good. That's why Peter in this verse is rejoicing because he's recognizing and he wants us to recognize that at the precise moment your heart was joined to your creator, that triple title became a reality in your life. It was imprinted upon your adoption papers, and it is legally binding. You are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy ethnos. And the result of you and I embracing this, if you look at 1 Peter 2.9, if we could pull that back up on the, on the screen for just a minute, the result of us receiving who God created us to be is that the world would see that we have a special place of belonging with our creator, that something is different, that we carry a different hope, that we're not shaken the same way the rest of the world is shaken, that we don't take the labels everybody else takes, but we elevate something above it. But listen, it's not just so they go, oh, look at those Christians. They're so great. He said, no, it's that they will see that there's a special place of belonging. There's a wonderful light, and they're invited in too. And so they're compelled to join. You see, that's what holiness does. 
What holiness does is when we live according to who God created us to be, the whole world recognizes something different than all the noise and all the offense and all the echo chambers, and they go, oh, that. I don't know what it is, but I feel like I'm already included, and I'm compelled to join. This picture of holiness its a central theme of the Bible. It shows up over seven hundred times in our Bible. To follow Jesus is to be holy as he is holy. Listen, we could quote tons of verses about our call to holiness. We're called to be a city on a hill. We're those people who would spend ourselves for the sake of the poor. We are those who seek justice and love mercy and walk humbly with our God. We're the ones who choose to love our gods with all of our hearts and then to pour out generously to love our literal neighbors as if they're our literal selves. This call of holiness, this call of being set apart, drove the very mission of Overflow Church. That we live, why? For ourselves? No, to receive and release all of God's love to everyone, everywhere. The last four years, we've heard that a time or two, right? And so as we've been hearing about this call to live and love everyone, everywhere, over these last months, our pastors have been praying together. We said, yes, amen, but it goes deeper because, listen, if you're going to ever love everyone everywhere, then it means we've got to start with some someone somewhere that God put in your life and in my life today. And so God started burning in addition to a, a mission for us as a church, a vision of what we want to see this year. And there are three words that God has burned into our heart, and I just want to represent our pastors now as I share it. This is what our prayer is. We yearn to see every man, woman, and child know they are held in God's adoring love, grow to be whole as who he created them to be, and go alongside their brothers and sisters to bring Brandon, the Bay, and beyond home to the Father's heart. What are we praying for? What are we seeking? It's this. We want to see every man, every woman, and every child know that they are held by God's adoring love. What are we praying for? What are we yearning for? What do we get out of bed for in the morning? We want to see every man, every woman, and every child grow to be whole just as he created them to be. And ultimately, why is it? Because we want to see Brandon the Bay and beyond brought home to the Father's heart. That's what our pastors have been praying for and seeking. I want to ask, is there anybody else in the room that wants to join us in that prayer? Yeah. Is there anybody else in the room that says, that's what I want to see. That's the kind of holiness I'm interested in. Because that's where God is calling us to move. And so with that, I want to lead you to the main idea of this series, where we're going to go in the weeks ahead. And very simply it's this. Us being holy, us being set apart for a life for God, only comes as the byproduct of us being whole. Us being healed and returned to the design our creator designed for us. Holiness is the fruit of wholeness. Now listen, that matters deeply. Because the only extent you and I will truly be holy is the extent to which we will allow our creator to make us whole. In the coming weeks, I want to share five truths that are needed for us to walk in a kind of wholeness that leads to holiness. 
And I want to preview them this morning for us as we call us into a church-wide fast. And so this is the picture. When you see this word holiness, and I know some of you are like, oh, they did it. Look, they said holiness, but they used the WH hole for holiness. Isn't that cute? Yeah, we weren't doing something cute. I want to tell you that I believe that all holiness, come, holiness comes from wholeness. So our definition of holiness, the way we're going to talk about this in the weeks to come, is this. Holiness is the intentional and continual posturing of our hearts to be made whole by Jesus, which results in holy living, freedom, and holy calling, mission. It's a wholeness that bears the fruit called holiness. So in that, I want to share five places we're going to walk in the weeks ahead. Number one is this. We're going to talk next week about this one at length, but holiness is the universal human hunger. There's this sentiment that I've heard all of my life around the church that's popular, and it sounds good, and it'll get people fired up, but it is really, really bad theology. People show up and they say something like this, well, the problem is we just need a hunger for the things of God and not hunger for the things of the world because our hearts are deceitful. See, to the person struggling what you're telling them, is their real problem is there's a defect in their core desires. There's a defect in the DNA that the Creator put in them. I've heard this counsel given to Christians before, and I've watched many for years after struggling and striving finally give up or get jaded or get cynical because they conclude that the moral compass and hunger that drives that person, they just must be a different brand of Christian, and I'm just not that kind of Christian, and I don't have it. And I've watched them walk through life as if they're like the, the slightly irregular T-shirt. Have you ever seen those in the consignment shop? Was that slightly irregular? And it's been way marked down because like one sleeve goes down to here and one sleeve's up here. I've watched too many Christians and I've been this Christian walking around going, I'm the slightly irregular t-shirt that got messed up in mass production, right? And so now I got to live in the reject pile. Here's my problem with this. Well, we just need to hunger more for the things of God and not hunger for the things of the world. I have so many problems. The first one is this. When the Bible says that our heart is deceitful, it is referring to the fallen state of our hearts that cannot be fixed. So Jesus came to give us a new one. And if you belong to Jesus Christ, you have a completely new heart, which makes that advice complete nonsense. Our heart is not our own worst enemy anymore. Somebody put your hand on your heart and say, I'm sorry for being so mean to you. <laughs> your heart is not your own worst enemy anymore. No, it's a vessel. It's the fount of joy God most regularly wants to speak to so that love and dreams and hope can pour out. Your feelings are a gift. We just don't worship them. We elevate God's faithfulness over our feelings. But listen, this, this whole thing of we need to hunger more for the things of God, here's the second problem I have with that. The problem has never been our hunger. The problem has been the dysfunctional menu that we've chosen to feast on instead of him. Let me illustrate that for just a minute with our physical bodies. 100% of the human population, regardless of their socioeconomic status, the color of their skin, their education level, 100% of the human population hungers for food and water. Why? Because it's the DNA of how they were designed. They might not know it. They might say, I don't like water. I just like soda. But their body is crying out and hungering for food and for water. And all of us will experience health if we drink enough water and eat the fruit and veggies and whole foods that God made. 
So when we meet somebody who finds that they're at a place of being very overweight and on every medication and on demand, the problem is not something's broken in their hunger. The problem is there's a dysfunctional menu that their body wasn't made to digest. But 100% of the globe is hungering full tilt. So hear me. Spiritually, 100% of the globe is hungering full tilt from the love that only comes from the throne of God. That means that me and you and that person who is really ticking you off right now are all in the same status of never being beyond hope. Because we've been wired for intimacy with God. We are starving and thirsting for holiness. All of humanity, whoever you meet, they're crying out a song that they want to be whole, they want to be wanted, they want to be loved, they want to be free. And that is really, really good news. Somebody say good news. news. It's good news because Jesus paid it all for all of us to have a new heart. So if you meet somebody who is unhealthy, the problem is not they don't want God. The problem is they've been drinking from broken cisterns in muddy puddles, and they need to find their way back to the well of living water that is given freely. So I want to say this right now. For somebody, you've come in, and it's like you're wrestling with an addiction. You're wrestling with a sickness. Pastor Aaron spoke earlier, and you were like, that's me. I agree with the labels. I just want to let you know something right now. Your label and your addiction lost 2,000 years ago. It just doesn't know it yet. Your label and your addiction lost 2,000 years ago. If you're a child of God, it just doesn't know it yet. What do I mean? I mean, you will be standing when that thing is dead in the grave. That's what I mean. That's what it is to be more than a conqueror. So as we walk in this place, if right now you're saying, man, but that's me, I want you to get shame off of you in Jesus' name. The problem is not that you don't hunger enough for God. You are hungering full tilt for him. What you may need to say this morning and in this season of fasting is, I've been eating some dysfunctional things. I've been going to some things that are never, ever, ever going to satisfy. And maybe I don't need more shame or more guilt. Maybe I just need to change my diet. Maybe I just need to eat what I was created to eat. So the first thing we're going to talk about a lot next week, I won't preach the whole message now because i got other things to say this morning. Holiness is the universal human hunger. The second one is this. Holiness is refined. Every place we put faith in our Redeemer and not our reforms. Every year, countless people start with a New Year's resolution for their best life now. They're going to lose weight. They're going to get out of debt. They're going to find their dream job. They're going to fall in love. They're going to go back to school. They're going to finally get free of this addiction. They're going to stop caring so much what everybody thinks. But most people fail at their New Year's resolution and give it up completely by February 1st. And at the same time, there are countless Christians who have grown weary and jaded in their faith because they keep trying to become holy enough through what I can only call Christian self-help plans. Things that they get and and through their own will, through their own striving, I'm just going to do it. But here's the problem. They're seeking holiness in a way that is doing very little to make them whole. In fact, it's doing more harm. Because they're saying, well, I'm broken. I don't hunger like Pastor Aaron hungers, but I'm really going to work this plan, and I'm going to make myself do this the way Pastor Aaron does it. Though Pastor Aaron is different than who I am, and she's going to go after different things than me. And so I'm going to try to be Pastor Aaron, and when I fail at that, because God already made one, and she's doing an amazing job at it, then I'm going to condemn myself and say, well, the problem is I just didn't hunger right. I just didn't hunger enough. And you go enough rounds in that cycle of shame, and you get jaded, and you go, just forget it. I can recognize that she's amazing before her king, but I can never get there. But the truth is that our holiness is refined every place we put faith in our Redeemer, not our reforms.
Whenever your plan or your resolution or your discipline fails, the enemy of your soul wants to lie to you and say there was a defect in you or a defect in your hunger. But you know, when we read the Old Testament, that was the problem all the way through the Old Testament was they kept trusting their reforms. That's all you're reading. I call the Old Testament failed attempts at reform while awaiting fierce rescue. That's all the Old Testament is. We're showing up again and again and again. Maybe a king can save us. Maybe a judge can save us. Maybe some laws can save us. Maybe a new land can save us. And finally, when we got through with all of it, we said, we got nothing left. Jesus said the fullness of time. Now you're ready to receive that only I, not your reforms, only your redeemer can save you. And so I want to say this to you right now. If you are a child of God, somebody say, that's me. If you're a child of God, it means you don't view anyone, including yourself, the way you used to. You are now under new management. What that means for somebody here is you need to go home and repent for cursing at the person in the mirror. We've been our own worst critic, and we come. But listen, you're, you're under new management. You don't see yourself the way you used to see yourself. And the, the problem is not your hunger. You're hungering full tilt for your Redeemer. So if there's a gap between your hunger and what you're being fed on, it's just new revelation you need to know on how to get to the well. Right? You need to seek wholeness, not holiness. Holiness is the byproduct of wholeness. And so as we see that, here's what it means. We can see a new way toward holiness that is not you striving and your effort and you doing things you hate. Is anybody else done with spiritual disciplines you hate? Oh, come on. We're too holy for that this morning. Is anybody else? Has anybody else been in the place where you hear a Bible reading plan and you're trying to convince yourself, I like this. I like it. I like it. I'm excited. This is the best, really. I'm going to go share my faith. I'm going to share my faith now. I'm so excited to tell my coworker about Jesus with my little Romans road, and I'm going to do it, and I'm excited about it. And then we show up, we go, the problem is I just need more boldness. No, maybe the problem is you hate the way you're going at it because it doesn't look anything like you. It doesn't look anything like authentic. It looks like a used car salesman, and you don't want to be that. So maybe we need to kick a lot of our holiness plans to the curb and take a wholeness plan where we say, no, I'm hungering full tilt for him. I want him, and whatever I receive, I'm going to release. I know that. So if there's a gap right now where something's getting stuck, where I'm not wanting to release the the love of God, maybe there's a gap where I need to receive something in wholeness of the love of God. Maybe I can actually stop. Maybe my hope this year is not another exhausting plan of I'm going to do this, and I'm going to figure it out right this time, but maybe instead there's a way I can lean in, hear the voice of my creator in the God-shaped hole that is me, and hear what he's saying to me and lean in and follow him and I can actually see holiness without striving. Wouldn't that be good? See, wholeness comes in our life when we trust our redeemer, not our reform plans. The third one is this. The path to holiness requires joining Jesus in the fields of our brokenness. Listen, if we ever want to see wholeness, it means we've got to get honest about the wounds of our brokenness. Now that said... I just want to echo Pastor Aaron loudly this morning because I don't know about you, but I have heard way too much of the woes and the laments and the somber. When we open up and talk about healing from our wounds, it's somber like we're at a funeral. And I want to tell you, God's invitation to heal from your brokenness should be like a Super Bowl celebration because it's the refiner's fire burning off what isn't yours anymore. Every time we step forward and say, there's a wound and I recognize it, we should get deliriously excited because that's not mine to wear anymore and I can let go of it. So listen, because it should be like a Super Bowl celebration, that's what we're sharing on Super Bowl Sunday this year. All right? 
We're going to have a Super Bowl celebration coming into the places. Can I just ask, is there anybody who is done dragging around old junk you don't need anymore? Anybody in the room be like, I would love to be done with that. And if you could tell me that I could be done with that, and it's not based on my willpower and me figuring it out, but actually me just releasing where I've been so pent up trying to free myself. Man, wouldn't that be amazing? But I want to tell you this, this kind of wholeness, it means we've got to stop fearing the dark of our pasts. We've got to stop saying, well, I won't step into that room that I've kept barred off because somewhere I'm afraid of the monster in the dark, and maybe I'm afraid the monster in the dark is me. And instead, what we're going to do is we're going to see a God who knows you and and chooses you, and that God who is going to come into the room and turn on the light. And we're going to see complete freedom and hope. We find holiness when we face our brokenness. Number four, and then I'm going to get real practical this morning. We're going to do something. This is going to be fun. Number four, holiness matures wherever we allow God's voice to be loudest. In just a few weeks, we're going to talk about this. But as I said earlier, we live like who we believe we are. So here's what that means. It means you can be new, but still live agreeing with a bunch of old thoughts. It means you can be royalty and still live like you're a beggar. It means that you can be loved by God and your church and your family and still live with a script of rejection. There are a thousand voices vying for our attention every day, and the loudest voice wins. Who are the voices? Some of those voices I just talked about a minute ago, there are reform plans that are never going to satisfy. And listen, I want to see us kick our Christian reform plans to the curb. We've got to stop being friends with them. If you're coming to your Bible reading or you're even coming to church going, I come to church because that's what a good Christian should do, I would say, man, I hope God changes that. <laughs> I really do. And I, please don't drop out and stop coming to church. I'd like you to be here. But man, how much more powerful could it be that you say, no, I come to church because my God adores me and loves me and has me whether I come or not. I'm not coming to get his favor or an attendance record. There won't be a perfect attendance record in heaven, just so you know. I'm actually coming out of the overflow of my heart of a God who loves me and puts me in a family that actually sees me. I think we need to be done. Some people said, aren't you so sad that the pandemic really filtered through people that just came to church out of obligation? I said, no, that's the purest thing that ever could have happened for the church. For us and for anybody that's at home, because many people who've been jaded, listen, there are a lot of people that love Jesus, and the reason they've given up on the church right now, temporarily, is because they've been there before. They've been at the church before. They've seen it, and for them, it was nothing more than a Christian self-help plan. And so I don't look at that and curse that. I say, no, God, do your healing work right now so all of us can step back into a place that we say, I don't show up on Sunday morning saying, I got to be here. I, I show up going, holy cow, I get to be here. Holy cow, church of my dreams, I get to share my life with this family. And so as we look at this, none of this is in my message. I probably should just preach my message this morning. (laughs) The voices that come to us, the reform plans that are never going to satisfy. We come and we hear voices of entertainment or the hamster wheel of chasing significance, the fleeting pleasures that we get in life, which all of them are good gifts, but they're terrible foundations to build our lives upon. So you'll see things like entertainment. Entertainment's a great gift. You see food. You see sex. You see how people chase pleasure. God has given many beautiful things that in their right place are a gift, but too many of us are trying to build our foundation on them. We make it the reform plan. We chase it. We try to work it better. So sometimes when that voice is winning, we're not seeing wholeness. What's one of the other voices that needs to be silent? It's the voice of the accuser. The voice of lying and shame and guilt and anger and bitterness. I just want to let you know right now, if you're hearing a voice that you've been convinced is the Holy Spirit telling you you're not doing it well enough and you need to just try harder, I'm going to tell you right now, kick that voice to the depths of hell. And you go, Pastor Chuck, can you actually say that? Yeah, because listen, if you could try harder, then Jesus didn't need to die. Somebody receive it. Come on. 
You're showing up and you're going, well, God's just saying, I just need to try harder. The problem is my hunger. No, that is a lie from the pits of hell. He made you to love him. You hunger for him like you hunger for food and water. And 100% of the human population can't do anything to fix our hearts. We can't exercise it. We've got to exchange it. We can't train it. We've got to transplant it. Okay? And he's given us a new heart. So what do we need to do? We need to make his voice the loudest. We're going to talk in a few weeks about sometimes how we elevate our own voice. And our own voice that's masquerading is the voice of the Holy Spirit that ain't the Holy Spirit at all. And we're going to talk about how to elevate hearing God. Some of you are going to hear for the first time how God, the God who knows you, has always been wooing and seeking and speaking to your soul. Somebody needs to know this morning, you don't need to get God to speak. He's the word. It's what he does. God is speaking to you all the time. His goodness and his mercy is chasing you. Guess what? He runs faster than you. You're going to lose. He's going to catch you. But something could be amazing if you and I would just stop running and be still long enough to discern the God-shaped hole in you that was made to hear his voice in a specific way. We're going to talk about how to do that. We're going to talk about how to elevate his voice very practically as the biggest voice. The last one is this. Where we're going to end our series is looking at this picture that holiness is not a monument and it is not a moment. It is a movement you are making over a lifetime. We're going to get rid of this idea, well, if I just pray this prayer, if I just walk this aisle, if I just have this this touch from God, if I just have this moment, it's smooth sailing. I want to tell you, that's not what God wants. What God actually wants is your heart for all of eternity. Holiness isn't a moment. And so you and I are going to have many moments of testimony, many moments of breakthrough. But I want to tell somebody this morning, if you're still breathing, everybody quick check. Breathe in, breathe out. Good, we're all still here. If you're still breathing... The best is still to come for you. How do I know? Because he says that all he does is take us to ever-increasing levels of glory. You're on a one-way escalator, dearly beloved child of God. So that even in my message, somebody needs to receive it. You're on a one-way escalator. He said the only way this train is going is to higher levels of glory. So you may find yourself kind of stalling out for some time, but he says, no, the only way we go from here is up. Holiness isn't a moment. I also want to tell you, holiness isn't a monument. I hear some talk about their testimony, or they talk about God like a report from the Civil War. It's something that happened a long time ago to people we really don't know. I want to tell you, no, holiness is a continual movement. I want to tell you, I've come to see this. What I believe is happening right now for me and you and every follower of Jesus is we've stepped onto one of those moving sidewalks like you see at the airport or at a theme park. You love those? You get at the place, you get on the moving sidewalk, it's like, we'll take you from here. And then you find what people do. Some people get really weird on moving sidewalks, right? Some people try to take over the moving sidewalk. They're like, nobody shall pass me. You're like, okay. But then some people are like, I'm going to go at anybody. You got to tell me I'm not the only one here. You get on, you're like, I'm walking at a really fast rate. Look at me now. And it is so cool until you get to the end of the moving sidewalk and didn't see it coming, right? And then you go into like a Carrie Strug Olympic moment. It's, it's, it's awesome. So I want to tell you what holiness is like for you and me. It's like being on a moving sidewalk from here. You're already on it, and it is moving. You are being transformed. Somebody hand on your heart. Say this to your soul right now. I am being transformed. I am being transformed. Listen, I've read the end. God wins. 
I've read the end. I've read the end of your story. God wins. You will be formed entirely into his image for all eternity. Somebody come on. You will be formed entirely into God's image for all of eternity. I want to tell you, had you gotten that, your hair would have just ignited. Because all the stuff that we worry about is, but what if it never comes to be? Think about it. Every worry and fear that you have in your life right now is something precious. And the reason you're worrying is because it's not yet in your hands. Which means maybe you think that holiness is up to you. I've got to procure this. I've got to figure this out. But what could happen right now if you could just breathe and go, wait a second. My heart can't be transformed. I can't try harder. I can't fix it. He gave me a new heart. He put me on a moving sidewalk. It's already going to be done. Everything that I'm holding here will fully be conformed into God's image. What does that mean? It means there's one of two things you're holding on to. Either you're holding on to something God never intended for you to have, and when you step into the refiner's fire, you're going to find that thing burns away, and you don't have to hold on to it anymore. Or you find yourself holding on to something that is your destiny that God said, and he said, hey, I fully got that. I'm the savior of the world. I can handle it better than you. So if you could actually just let up and breathe, what you're going to find is it's going to come a lot quicker. And when it comes and I brought it and you didn't bring it, you're going to actually be able to live with a lot more confidence and a lot less fear. You're already on a moving sidewalk that is going. So listen, here's the deal. Grace is going to win. God wants it more than you. So you can choose right now to be as stubborn as you want to be with the junk that you're listening to. You can choose to pick up an addiction that serves you no, no good purpose. You could pick up a dysfunctional menu and do the equivalent of running against a moving sidewalk. And you've watched the lunatics that try to do that. And what I'm going to tell you is he's not going to stop. You can only do that for so long. Your addiction, somebody hear me this morning, somebody who's wrestling, your addiction is going to fall. It was defeated 2,000 years ago. It just doesn't know it yet. That's the power of our God. And it is ridiculously good news. He's taking us to ever increasing levels of glory. What does it mean? It means in 2023, I'm going to talk about some faith-based things we're going to do in this fast, but we can stop this nonsense about needing to arrive because you are already everywhere that you need to be. You are with your creator and he is fully pleased. And he says to you now, you ain't seen nothing yet. You and I can be honest we can drop our guard. We can lose our savior complexes. We can learn to abide. We can be changed moment by moment. That's where we're going to be going over the next weeks together. But here's what I want for this morning. Because I don't want us to just preach a series. I want us to soak in transforming truth together. Our pastors, under the leadership of Pastor Cindy, felt God calling us to a time of fasting and so for just a few minutes, I want to talk about what that is, and we're going to activate it this morning because we're starting a church-wide fast today. So for some of you hearing it for the first time, whoo, you're here. It starts today. Yay. <laughs> what are we talking about when we talk about fasting? First, I want to give you a definition because for some of us, we have a lot of different things that you've thought. Fasting is simply this. Fasting is abstaining from something you usually partake in for the purpose of drawing near to God. That's all fasting is. Fasting is abstaining from something you usually partake in. It's a part of your life for the purpose of drawing near to God. So you don't show up and start fasting something you never wanted in the first place, right? I'm fasting killing people. Great. That's awesome, right? Or you take some food like I'm fasting eating liver and onions. Never had it in my life. I won't have it in the next 40 days either. No, fasting is abstaining in something you usually partake in. It would be something that would be a treasure for you, something that would be a delight, something you enjoy for the purpose 
of drawing near to God. So what does that mean? It means it could be food. It could be social media. It could be choosing an hour every day to turn off the notifications, set your phone down on the nightstand, and go for a walk with God. I want to tell you a few things about fasting right now. And for some of you, you may want to take out your phone and take a few pictures of these because this came from our pastoral team, and I'm going to tell you where some of this came from in just a minute. But this is just so stinking good to change your mindset about fasting. I'm going to give you four quick statements. The first is this. Fasting doesn't earn God's favor. You can't earn what you already have. Okay? So the first one you need to know, when you fast, you, this is not the super holy thing that you do. You can't earn God's favor. You've already got it. The second one is this. Fasting is not a treadmill of performance for the super holy, but an interruption of our insanity for the purpose of intimacy. So what do I mean? Some of us see fasting and we're like, oh, man, but am I one of those really serious Christians? No, this is what I'm saying. Your life is nuts. Amen? Anybody? Your life is nuts. Amen? Anybody feel life sometimes could be insane? Yes? All fasting is is saying, you know what, I'm going to get off the merry-go-round here in this place, and I'm going to hear clearly again. It's actually not for the super holy. It's just for the really smart people who actually want the insanity to stop. The third one, we don't fast to starve the sin nature. That's dumb. <laughs> you have a new nature that isn't to sin. No, we fast to feast on our Savior. Let me tell you, I'm so tired of hearing people talk about fasting. It's like this, I'm choosing to fast. As if like they're taking like a Benedictine monk, you know, vow of silence. I'm fasting before the Lord because I'm holy. No, listen, our fast is a feast. We should come to a fast and say, hey, there's this thing that gets to this place in my life where it really takes a lot of prominence, but there's this thing called Jesus that's infinitely better. And what I found is too much of my focus gets here, and I get worried about junk I don't need to. So I'm going to lay down the inferior thing, and for the next 40 days, I'm going to hear the far more superior thing. And, man, I'm excited because he's going to change some things in me. I can remember when God told me, uh, gosh, two and a half years ago now, with social media, he said, you are caring too much what other people are thinking about you. And, and it was me wanting to preach truth. It was me wanting to help. It was me coming to a, to a world that sometimes had lost its mind and trying to preach a voice of reason. But what I was finding is then I'd look and go, okay, are people seeing it? Is it encouraging? Is it helping? And he said, you know what? This thing has become an idol. So for a time, you just need to lay it down. He didn't even tell me how long. And for me at that point, guys, I was on Facebook like over and over and over and over and over again. So I said, you know what? I'm going to take a little bit of a break. Two and a half years. God just gave me the green light to step back on Facebook like three days ago, Okay. And he said, you're going to step back on it in a very different capacity in a very different way than you did. But can I tell you right now that I don't look at the last two and a half years and be like, oh, guys, I barely made it. <laughs> Do I look like I'm worse for the wear after two and a half years being away from the madness of social media? No. So when we're laying this down, your fast is a feast. The last one I want to say is this. We don't fast to change God. We fast to be attuned to where God is changing us. See, something really good happens when you recognize that instead of you needing to be the one that has great plans for your life, that you're trying to talk God into them, that you could just show up, and this is my prayer, you ready? God, I'm an idiot. I don't know what I need. I'm an idiot, okay? I don't know what I need, but I know that you love me infinitely more than I could ask or imagine. So when I come, I'm not going to fast to change you. I'm going to fast and say, Lord, open my eyes to see what you're saying for me. I want to tell you right now, if you could see what heaven is seeing, you would find that all of heaven is dancing and singing over you. Did you know that's what it says? You know, right now, heaven, thinking of you, Nathan Gregory, heaven, thinking of you right now, is throwing a party. So at any moment you're not, it's an invitation to think like heaven. That's what it is. Shame off of you. 
You just get to agree and go, man, they're throwing a party for me, and that would be a whole lot better than this noise that I'm hearing down here. That's what we get to step into. So our fast is not, we're going to be super holy, we're going to change God. No, we're going to get super practical. And so, in fact, I'm going to put up a QR code here. If you are not on our newsletter that's coming, um, if you get the weekly newsletter, what you're going to find is there's this amazing resource that my buddy Josh Baylog, our fellow leader here at Overflow Church, put together for fasting. It's incredible. So listen, this, this resource, he walks through breaking myths of fasting. A lot of the ideas that you just heard me share, he's sharing there. But then he shares these 15 super practical ideas of how you can step into a really faithful food fast or non-food fast. So if you're already on our newsletter, today that's going to be coming to your inbox. This, this guide to fasting will be coming. If you're not, if you've not been receiving regular emails from us, make sure you scan that QR code so that when that comes out today that we have you there. We're going to encourage you how to walk through as an individual and your family and as missional community. So I want to give you a few practical things, and then the way we're going to end our service is we're actually going to hear from the Lord how he wants us to fast. So when we step into this fast, one of the things we're looking at is the question comes, how long should I fast for? So we've got three options as a starting point for you for the length of your fast. Now listen, any choice you're going to make to fast before the Lord, the Lord is pleased with, obey the Holy Spirit. Here's three options where you can start. One will be a 21-day fast. It's starting today, January 8th, It'll go to the end of this month, January 28th. That's the day before we go have our birthday celebration at the park. It's going to be amazing. 40-day fast. The number 40 is super big in the Bible. And so you see from January 8th to February 16th, you can join us on a 40-day fast. Or a 50-day fast, which you heard Pastor Cindy talk earlier about the resource that we wrote, the Life in the Overflow devotional. I just want to encourage you, if you don't have that, there's a Life in the Overflow book, but then there's the much bigger one that's a devotional that you can get on Amazon.com. It's 50 days that walks you through of how God sees you. It's an identity devotional. And so what it does is it says, I'm a friend of God. I have a new heart and a new spirit. I have a, a new way. And so it's very short devotions. And then what it does is it opens up a time for you to learn how to hear the voice of God. So I especially want to encourage you, if you're one of these people that you're like, man, when Pastor Cindy gets up here and starts talking, she hears God, but I don't hear God. Listen, he's already speaking. You've got to attune your voice to it. I encourage you to get that devotional. That's a 50-day devotional. And so if you do a 50-day fast, that'll take you right to the end of our series together. The last note that I want to give you is the goal of our fast. So we had heard three goals for us together as a fast. The first goal would be the, the goal of expectancy, that you and I would be in a place where we would trust God's faithfulness over our feelings. The second one is wholeness, that we'd be willing to get honest about the places we need God to heal us and mature us. And the third would be a hunger for the kind of holiness that would pour out of us to live in freedom and to live on mission. And so what I'm going to do for our call um, to ministry this morning. I'm going to ask you to sit right where you're at. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for just a minute. Nathan's going to play through just some, some music for us to really set an atmosphere for you to hear from the Lord. Here's what I want to do in the next few minutes. I want a time of consecration. We've talked a lot about how we can't make ourselves holy, but God is inviting us to be whole. So this is what I want to ask you to do. Every person in the room right now, if you have a phone with you that you normally keep notes on, I'm going to ask you to pull your phone out. I want to be very, very, very practical. I'm going to ask you to open up a notepad on your phone. If you've got pen and paper, you'd rather do it that way. That's awesome. You've got a journal. These next few minutes are going to be for you. We've heard about what we're going to do. Now we're going to let our Father just begin to speak to us. I'm going to give some time and I'm going to ask a few questions. 
The first question that I want to ask with these three goals that are up on the screen, where is God most stirring your heart? Maybe you look at that with expectancy and you'd say, you know what? I feel jaded. I feel cynical. Would you just write that down in your note? God, right now I feel jaded. I feel cynical. I want to be excited about you and your promises, but I'm not. Maybe right now you feel like your feelings are running you all over the map. You're wrestling with anxiety. You're wrestling with fear. You're wrestling with a sense of depression. You say, God, I want to learn how to elevate your voice, your faithfulness, your unchanging nature over my feelings that are over the map right now. Maybe right now the hunger for you is this hunger to get outside of yourself that you say, you know what? There have been so many years that are just about me and getting me well. And man, I want to live now. I want to live to pour out and release God's love. Maybe you're at a place that there's an addiction or there's a mindset. There's something right now that you're saying, this doesn't feel whole in my life. Would you write it down? God, I've been struggling with this mindset for years and years and years, and it feels like no matter what I do, nothing changes it. Would you write it down? We're forming a foundation right now for what we're seeking the Lord for. Remember, all holiness comes out of wholeness. So my question is this, where are you not whole? Where is there a gap between what you're hungering for and what you're experiencing? For somebody, maybe you'd write down, God, I'm stressed out. I'm anxious. I'm overcommitted. I'm so tired. God, I'm trying to follow you. I'm trying to do the things that I thought you called me to do, and it's wearing me out, and I resent you for it. Would you take just a minute? What you're writing is, God, this is what I would love to see you do in my heart and my life in 2023. I just ask Holy Spirit right now, would you speak? Would you move? I would encourage each person there on your phone, you just write down. And it doesn't matter. Listen, we're all different. I start writing, I'm going to write a novel. I've got lots of words. I use all of them. I've got friends that start writing, they write three words. It's much more poignant, much more to the point, and just as powerful. Would you just take what the Lord is speaking? next as you're there. I want to ask the question, what would wholeness look like for you in 2023? I want you to think about the life where you would go, oh my gosh, this is the life with Jesus of my dreams. What is it that's been added to you? What is it that's been taken away? Would you write it down? God, this is what I want you to do. If you're taking me to ever increasing levels of glory, this is what's burning in my heart, saying this is the next level you wanna take me to. For some it's God, I wanna learn finally how to hear your voice. For some it's God, every time I think about that person, I feel like I've forgiven them a hundred times. Every time they show up on my social media feed, I find them overtaken again, I wanna really be healed. For some of you, maybe you're the one that you know that you're loved and you're living like you're rejected. And you go, oh, wholeness looks like freedom from rejection. 
you write it down? Would you write down what it would look like for you to be pouring out God's love? With that as a base, and I'm gonna encourage you over the next weeks, take this note and allow the Lord to continue speaking to it and growing it. The Holy Spirit in you is sufficient. So I want to ask this question as you have your notepad open. What could you fast over this next period of time? What could you fast? We said a fast is the laying down of something you usually partake in. Just briefly, I'm going to read this to you right from the resource that you're going to be receiving. Josh Balog wrote down these creative suggestions. You could fast eating out. You could fast sweets. You could fast coffee. You could fast noise. Oh man, that'd be good. You could fast TV. You could fast radio or podcast or music in the car. You could fast spending other than your necessary bills. You could fast extra hobbies or leisure activities. You could fast your phone other than the necessary function of actually making calls. You could fast certain phone apps turning off the notifications. You could fast your lunch hour. You could fast video games. You could fast social media. You could fast complaining. You could fast busyness. I want to encourage you. One of the things I learned a long time ago about parenting is whenever you have to give discipline to a child, the discipline should always match the behavior that you're wanting to see God stir, the heart change that you're wanting to see stir. So I would encourage you. If you're one that you say, man, I'm just overly busy all the time and, and I'm going to fast, I'm going to fast broccoli and I'm going to continue being overly busy all the time, then maybe you're not going to have the best fast. Maybe you'd step in and say, I've got an addiction to busyness. So for the next 40 days, anything that's not urgent, I'm laying it down because I need to be recalibrated and find what really matters. See, that would be an intentional fast. What is God calling you to fast? And what I love, you're going to see this in the resource. For some of you, you're going to say, I'm going to fast this for seven days, and then the next week I'm going to fast something else. It's the beauty about the creativity in the kingdom. Just want to ask the question, how long is God calling you to fast? Would you put that there? This is what I feel. Lord, I feel like you're telling me this. And I just want to say, shame off of you, pressure off of you. Every step and in intentionality you take forward to your king is a blessing and it's taking you to ever increasing levels of glory so you don't have to do this perfectly or figure it out. Now, if you've got something, you've got a place where you say, I want to participate in this fast and I've got a first starting direction of where to go. This is what I'm going to ask. Everybody else, I'm just going to ask your eyes closed because this is the moment just for you. I want just a moment of consecration. I'm going to ask if you have committed now to fast. You're saying, I want to do this, but I don't want to do this like I've done it before. I don't want to do it in my own strength. I'm just going to ask for you to stand to your feet and put your hands out in front of you because I just want to pray alongside you. So if you say, okay, I'm fasting. I'm stepping into this time of fast, and I really would love the anointing that the Lord has for me in it. So Father God, right now, I release blessing. See, I already hear celebration music coming from heaven. Yes, Lord. 
Father, I pray that even as we step into this time, that it would be a joy and a celebration, that it would be alive. I pray that old patterns and old associations with fasting, old ways that it's been seen, that they would be broken right now. I pray that striving would go. I pray that anxiety would go. I pray that lies that say, we can't hear your voice, that it would go. This is going to be the age of confidence. Father, we're going to come right now thanking you in advance that what you promised, your economy, is you do more than we could ask or imagine. So I just want to thank you. With eyes of the Spirit, if I could see every one of those phones and every one of those notes, I want to thank you that you're doing more than they asked. You're doing more than they imagined. So Father, do it in your timeline. I just want to encourage you right now with your hands open. Would you just say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. We're not setting this to say that this is 21 days or 40 days or 50 days and this is what needs to happen. No, Jesus is the destination. You're there. You win today. Jesus, here I am. Have your way. Oh, Father, would you fill us with your spirit? Would you astound us? this time of our fast.